thankful for dedicated individuals that will spend time with your children and not just babysitting, right? They're not just hanging out with your kids, you know, throwing animal crackers around the room. They are back there ministering to your child. You may say, well, they didn't come back any better when I picked them up. Well, you probably didn't either, so it's all good. We all need work, don't we? We're all growing. It's a process. Hallelujah. Uh, go with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You know, the, the follow-up to Easter is, is something a little difficult for us pastors, you know, because we feel this pressure that, you know, Easter has done this job of, you know, getting people passionate once again about church, getting people excited once again about being in the house of God and what God has done for you. I mean, we just got done celebrating the most victorious day known to mankind. Amen. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So, you know, how do you top that in one sense? But, you know, I feel like it's easy to top when you recognize that Easter is just a starting point, not a finish line. Amen. Uh, like we, the gun has just been shot off. And, and, and I heard one person say one time that the grass is well worn at the starting line. But it's a lot greener at the finish line. Why? Because those that start don't always finish. There's this, there's this issue in the word that God continually addresses. He's more interested in how we finish a thing than how we start. Now, Jesus on the cross said these three words. He said, it is finished. The work is finished in the spirit. But we still have a job to do, don't we? we there's still work to be done. Uh, there's still a fight to fight. There's still a race to run. There's still a prize to obtain, as Paul said. I'm, I'm continually pressing. It's this issue of, of pressing. Why do we always have to be encouraged to press? Why do we constantly have to be encouraged to endure? Because there's something trying to stop us. Right? Even though it's finished there, it's just starting here And so there's a starting and there's a finish, but we know that there's something in the middle, something in between that's trying to keep us from finishing the race, finishing the fight, finishing the course. Paul was continually, he was even encouraging on his way out in Second Timothy, he was encouraging Timothy who's on his way in. I love that we have one individual on his way out and he's talking to someone on the way in. If you are on the way out of something, but you're not investing in someone that's on the way in, you are failing. Paul had a secession plan. He said, I'm leaving, but that doesn't mean it's over. I'm leaving, but there needs to be someone to carry on the work. Are we thinking beyond ourselves? Are we thinking beyond our lifetime? Or what are you investing in your children? And I've always found in my life that I get encouraged the more that I invest in someone else. I'm empowerment on the inside of me that shows up when I get done pouring my life into somebody else. Sometimes when I'm down and I'm discouraged, and I'm feeling the pressure, I just need to find someone to pour myself into, and it picks me right back up. And you're thinking, man, if I just had someone ministering to me, sometimes I'd like to be sitting here shouting amen and, and raising my hand and writing notes, but there's times, those times where I get to pour are the times where I'm getting poured into. Why? Because I'm a contributor, not a consumer. I didn't come into the kingdom to consume all that God has for me. I came into the kingdom to get what he has for me so I can contribute to the overall effort. Consumers are the ones that are never satisfied. Consumers are the ones that never get enough. Consumers are the ones that, that you know, they can never get, put everything in the product. They can never make that iPhone exactly the way you want it. Until you contribute to the overall effort and you become a part of the solution, not just finding all the problems, that is when you find fulfillment. That's where you find answers. That's where you realize, I've got more than I ever recognized I had. And so that's really what Easter is all about. It's not, you know, it's interesting that Jesus' commandment to the disciples in Mark 16 and Matthew 28, the great commission that we always read, he's not telling them to be disciples. He tells them to go and make disciples. Sometimes I think we're more interested in being than we are making. Now, you have to be to make. But are you being to just be? Or are you being to become so that now I can be disciples? 
more like Christ. He didn't say go and be disciples in all the nations. He said go and make disciples of all the nations. That means you're going in there and you're pulling something out that wasn't there to begin with. That means your place of business and your home and your family and your schools and wherever God has you influencing ought to be different because you're there. They should be crying when you leave, walking out the door, not happy that you finally put in your two weeks. Thank God. I, didn't, I thought we were going to have to fire him. Thank God he left on his own. No, they, I, I have heard testimonies, testimonies of individuals that have changed jobs. They felt a transition take place, and the company is begging them to stay, offering them more money. We'll give you the position. We'll do whatever it takes to keep you. Why? It's not you. You're not that smart. You're not that good. You're not even that good looking. It's called the anointing. It's called a divine enablement that comes upon your life. Isn't that right, Chris? Honor to have Chris and Terry and Isaac with us. And I hear we got some grandbabies on the other side throwing animal crackers and getting invested in here. Hallelujah. Just want to honor the gift that's in the room today. I value their friendship. We value their ministry. Had a powerful time in Osceola. 260? 200. 258. We'll round up. We'll round up. They fill out two cars. There you go. They probably needed to get saved twice. They were that bad off. It's high school. I understand. You never know where they're at. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, some of us know it as the the, the faith chapter, the hall of faith, right? We're just going through the Bible and and the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who it is. Some believe it's Paul. Some believe it could be, you know, another individual. But uh, they're basically going down through what we know as the Old Testament. And they're identifying that by faith these individuals did what they did. I mean, it, it, you're talking awesome stuff. You're talking people that couldn't have kids are now father of many nations. You're talking about a guy that had a stuttering problem and, 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 and murdered somebody. Is now the one actually delivering Uh, God's people out of the hands of the Egyptians and bringing them into the promised land that he had promised thousands. I mean, we're we're talking about individuals that that are operating by some major faith. But here at the end of the chapter, we usually don't get this far. We stop with all the good stuff. But here in verse 35, it says, Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains in dens and caves of the earth. And all these things, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive a promise. Here's your encouraging word for the, for the day. How many of you feel so encouraged and ready to go out and conquer the world? But it's interesting to note, you know, you, you, you realize that after Jesus' death, the, the last book that's written, Death, Burial, and Resurrection, the last book that was written is Revelations, written by a man that was Jesus' disciple. We're talking that we really only have around 50 years of the Bible after Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. It only took 50 years from the most celebratory event that we have uh, of record in mankind before this stuff starts showing up. Opposition and affliction. It didn't take very long after the day of Pentecost, after Acts chapter 2 showed up, that some major persecution started taking place. you got to remember, Jesus was crucified. Jesus did not die just because, you know, that's how it was supposed to take place. He died because his message was so uh, 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 barrier eliminating. His message was so different that people said, you ought to die for talking like that. He wasn't killed for the miracles and the signs and wonders. He was killed because he kept calling himself a king and kept talking about a movement that sounded political. He kept talking about a kingdom. That's all. He was obsessed with the kingdom. He was not talking about heaven. 
go look. He never preached about heaven. Never preached about heaven. He talked about heaven one time to a man in the middle of the night to one man named Nicodemus. It's the only time he talked. That's the only time he even mentioned being born again. You cannot find where Jesus preached about. See, we preach about Jesus, but we're not preaching the message Jesus preached. There's a difference. We preach the gospel about Jesus, not the gospel of Jesus. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a corner that's been turned. Why? Because of opposition. See, when opposition shows up, then you find, you, you find a way to, to, to bring it down and say, look, look, it's, it's not that hard. It's not that difficult. It's not that. And so there becomes a watering down to, to the bare minimal bare minimum gospel that we have today of just do the best you can, just come into the kingdom, just pray a prayer, and one day we'll be eliminated from this place, we'll be evacuated from this place, God's going to rush us all to heaven, and we'll live with him in glory forever and ever. And that's, that's the, the crux of the gospel message that we preach today, which there's hope in that. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. Thank God that he sent his son to Oh, wipe away our sins, but there is, there is so much more to be revealed to the believer beyond fighting sin for the rest of my life. These guys weren't dealing with sin. See, we, we don't know real affliction. And, 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 and when Jesus said, there will be trials and tribulations, what was he talking? He wasn't talking about credit card bills. Wasn't talking about when the economy goes down and that house that you just bought is worth a hundred thousand dollars less than what you bought. It's not those aren't the trials and tribulations. He's talking about persecution and hardship because of the word. Now I'm not here today to make light of our lives and our situations. I'm only here to bring perspective. Because we all have challenges, we all have deficiencies, we all have hardships day after day that we deal with and that we have to give to God. But I just want to bring perspective today in recognizing that what took place Easter Sunday was far more than trying to make it through life. There's a contending for the faith that needs to be brought back to the church. And, you know, I just believe that we're in the last of the last days. I mean, I know this. I'm closer today than anybody ever has been, right? And I I feel like there's a a full circle. I I almost feel like, you know, when you look at history and you look over the last 2,000 years since Jesus was murdered and hung on that cross and then was buried three days and rose again. In the last 2,000 years, you can almost compare us to the book of Judges, where the church has these cycles. See, we always have this natural tendency to do it on our own. Always have this natural... No matter how much uh, uh, that God shows us and God reveals to us, no matter how much power... I mean, you can't get more power than the power that raised Christ from the dead. And the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you. Can't get much greater than that. But, but we always have this natural tendency to say, I got this. I can do this. And abandon and, and, and walk away and, and veer off. And even just the slightest curve takes us in a path that we don't want to be. I don't know about you. I want to stay with God in everything. I want to stay with God. I don't, I don't even want one area of my life to say, God's got nine of it, and, and I've got this one. My finances are good, so I, I'm good there, but, but I need his help with my friends, and I need his help with this, this, this other issue over here. I need his help with, with what movies I watch. I need his help with my mouth, you know, because sometimes the stuff comes out. No, I, I want him to walk through all areas of my life, as we talked about last week, lordship. Not just Savior, but Lord. Not just what you did for me, but who you are to me. That's the kind of life that I want to live. That's the kind of life, that, 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 that life that is fully engulfed with him. He's got access to all of it. But these, 
these people that this writer is talking about, and, and I want to tell you, this, this book of Hebrews is one of the later books written in the New Testament, and it was written in the midst of some of the greatest persecution to the people in Jerusalem, where the greatest persecution, this was written right before the temple was torn down by the Roman Empire. I'm, I'm talking, you know, we, our Americanized Christianity knows nothing of what the writer of Hebrews is writing to. We don't know. Here we are in our air-conditioned room, celebrating and worshiping God freely. Now, we're seeing things take place in our world. We're seeing it, especially overseas, but we're, we're seeing now. The churches are coming under attack. And that's why we needed the change that we needed to take place earlier this year. And people don't understand that because they want to make a higher priority of welfare and taxes and health care than they do about having someone that at least has some idea, some concept that I need God's help in this thing. And he has surrounded himself. See, it doesn't even have to be the man. Talk to Daniel. Talk to Joseph. They served evil rulers. Didn't care anything about God. Trying to wipe God's people off the planet. Actually, the, the, the guy that Daniel was serving took him into captivity and he said, I'll still be an influence. I'll still be a light. And God will still use me to change a nation. See, we, 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 we get in this, this light where we feel like we've got it worse than anything else that's ever shown up. We, we've got the worst of it. And I just want to help bring some perspective that what we started in, God wants us to continue in. What we started in, God wants us to continue in. I think the title of my message was Head in the Clouds. Is that what we've got up there? Head in the Clouds. And it's a matter of getting through the tragedies and the trials and the tribulations of life. is not a matter of where you are physically. It's where you are with your mind. And Jesus shows us this because we just got done reading the passage where these individuals are enduring major hardship. But it keeps on going, right? Because Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 is not a different thought than Hebrews chapter 11 verse 35 through 40. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 30, or Hebrews 11 verse 40 says, God having provided something better for us. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. But then chapter 12 verse 1 says, therefore. That word therefore means you need to look at what's going before it. Therefore, meaning because. So because of Hebrews 11, because of all these faith fighters, because of all these individuals that endured hardships and trials and, and, and real torment. Therefore, we also. Since we, are sur- since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Again, we do not need to be encouraged to endure if there's nothing trying to stop us. That right there is an indicator I'm going to have to press. I'm going to have to push. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to feel convenient and comfortable. There's going to be times where living for God and living for the word and standing for righteousness and being a Christian will be difficult. That right there is our indicator. You're going to have to endure. Looking unto. The answer for enduring is where you're looking. The answer for making it to the end is dependent upon what you set your eyes on. Right? You can't go where you're not looking. You can't go. I I think there was a message last year that I ministered that had that kind of thought to it, that kind of theme to it. And I told a story about uh, one day um, we were walking into Target Camden and I. This was, you know, a couple of years ago. This was probably, you know, four or five years ago. We're walking into Target, and, and, and I don't remember what it was, Mother's Day or something like that, where they put those extra little 
things out. Now, we go in there a lot. Y'all know that. We go in there a lot. And so, you know, I'm sure the kid thinks that he knows his way around the store no matter what's going on. But he's not used to a big box selling Mother's Day cards sitting right in the middle of, of his entryway. How dare Target. And I don't remember what he was doing, but he was not looking up. Look at your neighbor and say, look up. He wasn't looking up, and he ran smack. And I wasn't looking at him either. So there was no warning. There was no, hey, watch out. You're about to. I'm just walking along, and all, I, all of a sudden, I just hear, Poof. and he's just like, Dazed and confused, walking right into this box of cards or whatever it was. Movies, maybe. Messing up his whole life. Messing up his whole plans. Why? Because he wasn't looking up. we got to look up. Got to look up. We've, we've got to look up. It's what we're looking. He says, looking unto Jesus. Gives us our example. The one that just died on the cross. The one that just rose again. Now he's our example. Now we can look unto. We can look up. The author and what? Thank God he finished that statement. Thank God he didn't just put the author. I don't know how it ends, but at least I got you started. No, he's the author and the finisher of your faith. Who for the joy set before him. I just love that. I just love that because there was nothing joyful about his situation. We saw that last week. He's, he's in the garden, right? The garden against the enemy. Uh, before he knows he's about to be handed over, he knows this is not joyful. I'm going to have to endure some stuff over the next three days. There is no joy. But that wasn't the joy he was looking at. Jesus knew how to look at the finished product, not get lost in the moment. I get lost in the process. Oh, the process. Oh, the wilderness, right? It's all fun and games coming out of Egypt, and we know that we're headed to a promised land, but what happens when you get stuck wandering in a wilderness? What happens when the process shows up? Because the process doesn't always feel like progress. It feels like I'm going backwards. See, now, now we're opening up. Now we're discovering that, that the, the hardships and, and the trials in my life that are trying to come against me, they're, they're trying to get me off of the course. They're fighting, not you. You understand that the enemy is not trying to stop you. He's trying to stop the purpose for which you were created. You are a means to an end for him. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about your life. But he knows that if he doesn't stop you, you will fulfill a purpose that ultimately destroys him and everything he's about. He's defeated. He's whipped. He's done. We've said this before, and it always shakes some people up, but that's okay. It's truth anyway. There's nothing else that God can do for you. There's nothing else he can do about your situation. There's nothing else he can, he can intervene on your behalf and say, okay, I'll come. He's already done it. He's done it all. We are victorious. That is who we are. It's a done deal. Just as with Adam. There was nothing God could have done for Adam in the garden. He had every resource at his disposal. Just obey me. Just listen to my word. Don't eat the tree. I don't care who tells you to eat of it. I don't care what they say about it. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care if it's pleasant to the eyes and makes you, uh, is desirable to make you wise. I don't care if it looks like it's good for food. Do not eat it. Don't eat it. If they would have obeyed that one command, God would have never needed to show up. And Adam didn't need to cry out to God to do something about the snake. God showed me this uh, a few weeks ago when I was preparing for another mess. I was actually preparing for our Kingdom Rise conference, and God showed me this. 
Genesis 1, verse 26, it says that God created man in his image, in his likeness. That word likeness means how you operate and how you function. So we're not designed just to look like God. We're supposed to act like God, function like God. Adam was supposed to. Now, the devil, Adam was not the first person that the devil opposed. It's not the first individual, right? His story actually goes back a little bit in heaven, in a perfect heaven. As an angel of light, as Lucifer, rose up in pride, right? And wanted the creator to worship the created, didn't he? So Adam's number two on the list. But God's already dealt with Lucifer. He's already dealt with Satan. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Adam was created in God's image to function and operate just like. So Adam was supposed to do the same exact thing that God did. God cast Satan out of heaven. Adam was supposed to cast Satan out of the garden. That's literally what was supposed to happen. Didn't need to get on his hands and knees and say, God, this, this mean, slithery, sneaky snake is coming up to me and, and he's trying to tempt me to eat that fruit. Can you please get him out of here? That was, not, that was not their response. That was not to be their response. We don't need to go to God about the problem. We need to talk directly to the problem. Isn't that what Jesus did every single time? Storm rises up. Is he on his hands and knees praying to his father about the storm? No. Demons need to be cast out. Oh, Father, please do something about these demons. No, he spoke directly to the demons. Get out. Cast them out. Lazarus is sitting in a tomb. He's on his hands and knees, and he is praying this time, but he's not praying that God will raise up Lazarus this time. He's praying that I'm about to take authority in this situation. I'm about to call this man up out of this grave that's been dead four days. I just want everybody around me to believe. That's what, that was his prayer. Jesus wept. Jesus didn't cry because he lost his friend, because he knew what was about to happen. He was weeping because everybody around him was disbelieving. I've been with you three years, and you still don't believe that I can pull this man out of the grave? So what if I waited four days? So what if I didn't come immediately when you sent the messenger? I am the resurrection. Isn't that what he told Martha? Oh, I know. He'll be resurrected. You kidding me, girl? Resurrection isn't an event. It's a person. I am the resurrection and the life. He's just like, my gosh, these people. So we're recognizing that that our, our problems and our trials and our hardships, they're not attacking us but yet the purpose for which you were created. There's a purpose that's greater than just you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, it's bigger than you. Whether they receive that or not, that's, that's okay. It's bigger than us. There's a purpose. There's a plan. So Jesus, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he did what? He did the very thing the writer is asking us to do. Thank God he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your what? Souls. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotion. I'm going to tell you right now today, you get tired in your mind way before you do in your body. We give up here way before here. I, I mean, I've seen this in the natural. I, I've seen this uh, uh, in sporting events. I, I, I've seen this when, when someone gets defeated in their mind, the rest of it is done. Forget it. You can write it off. When they feel defeated in their head, when they go in thinking we don't stand a chance, this team's way better than us. I mean, I, I've seen even just on a flag football field, 
playing just flag football with buddies, with friends. Our, uh, our pastor's middle son, Pastor Earl, his middle son, Chase, he was with us for several years. Many of you know him, Chase and Alyssa. And, and, and Chase, uh, he knows how to get in your head. So he'll be standing on that line. And, I mean, you know, he's, he's a big, I mean, he's bigger than I am, but that's not saying much. He's a big guy. But he'll get on that line, and he'll just be talking. He'll just be yapping, yapping, yapping. He's not faster than you. He's not quicker than you. He's not more skilled than you. But he will beat the other guy on the other side of the line every time with his mouth. He'll beat them before the play ever goes off. He'll whip them. Watch. Right here. Right here. How do we endure affliction? How do we endure trials and tribulation? How do we get through these pressures and these hardships? Now, the reason why I wanted to give you perspective out of Hebrews chapter 11 is because these individuals endured real challenges. But if they could make it through what they made it through, by God, we sure should be able to make it through the trials that we're enduring. I mean, they're, they're enduring persecution because of the word. Individuals, I mean, you know, how many friends, how many people do we have that we relate to on a regular day-to-day basis that are not Christians? I mean, most of our circle believes or at least accepts what we believe. These are, these are individuals that are fighting with individuals that they don't, they don't want to hear it. They don't care. And in fact, if you say that name again, I will slit your throat. So this is real trials. I'm not, again, making light of ours. But I'm, I'm wanting to show us the perspective that our trials and the tribulations that we endure, we should be enduring, are made even more powerful because of what happened last weekend. Let's not celebrate last weekend and then just move right back on to Okay, when are we going to heaven? Now, now this is about 50 years, about 50 years after Jesus died. And they were expecting Jesus' return. I mean, did he not say, behold, I come quickly? Did he not say that just as you saw me go up, you'll see me come out of the clouds? So, I mean, pretty simple to think. Okay, you're going to have to come. I mean, clock's ticking. I'm already in my 70s. You're going to have to do something here, Jesus. They're literally expecting a return. Before this book's even up, they're expecting a return. Well, are we not expecting a return? We're expect, we are expecting the return of our king to bring his kingdom in totality. But until then, we're not to sit around waiting. We're to be enduring. We're to be enduring. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, he said, uh, uh, he, he said watch over the territory until I come back. Take care of it. I mean, when you go, you go to the parables, Matthew chapter 25, the, the, the owner gave three talents to the servant, left, and came back, and then wanted to know what they did with it. They had to give an account for it. What are we doing with what, are we doing with what has been placed in our care and in our possession, and how are we watching over it for the return of Jesus? Got someone trying to preach over me today. That's all right. Amen. You got to watch this technology, man. It'll talk right back at you. It doesn't care. Still going. All right. New phones, new iPads, new apps, new app stores. I know. It was reading the Bible. Thank God. Thank God it wasn't reading our mail, right? Read the Bible. Just read the Bible. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. See, now I know she wasn't on Facebook. She was reading the Bible. You know, sometimes I get concerned. What are they really looking at over there? Are you texting? Are you taking notes? I'll never know. But God does. Colossians chapter 3, head in the clouds. We get defeated in our minds before we get defeated in our lives. 
So then it stands to reason that we get victory in our lives before we get victory in our mind, or we get victory in our minds before we get victory in our lives. You've got to see it before you see it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ. Now we just saw, where is he raised? Seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. We just saw that. He endured. So he says, so if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is. Guys, part of our problem in the struggles in life is we're seeking the wrong thing. We have a seeking problem. He says, look unto, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What are we seeking? What are we looking for? And what are we looking at? And right here he says, look up. Look up. Above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind. That word set means fixed. It means immovable. It means you cannot be shaken. A mind that is set, a mind that is set does not get moved. It's not wavering. It's not doubtful. It's not, well, maybe it is. Well, I'll try this out today. No, it is fixed there. No matter what I see, no matter what happens around me, no matter what I see in the natural, the spiritual is more real than the natural. The, 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 the spiritual is permanent where this natural is temporary. It's subject to change. Subject to change. There might be sickness in my body today, but that's subject to change. There might be affliction in my family today, but that's subject to change. There's something that's more real than the sickness in my body, and that is the stripes that Jesus took on his back. And if those stripes were taken, then you were healed. You were healed. You were healed. Before you were sick, you were healed. Before you were sick, you... You know, it's so, I don't know why, it's so hard to get Christians over into healing. I just don't, I just can't comprehend it. Like you want to be sick. Like you would rather be sick than believe that healing has been provided for you. Than to believe that you can pray and the, the, the prayer of healing will bring recovery to your body. Why would I want to be sick? I mean, if you're giving me the option to believe one or the other, I'm going to go with the one that's better. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to believe. You know what? The Bible says... By his stripes, you were healed. I'm just choosing to believe that. Remember, they, they came to Brother Hagin with that one time, and, 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 you know, they said, you know, they were giving him a hard time about the healing message and believing in healing, believing in divine healing. And he said, well, you can choose to be sick. I just choose to be healed. I just choose to live a life healthy and whole. It's simple. It's already been provided for you. Please, let's not make all that Jesus went through of no avail simply because we don't believe it. Because just because Jesus did it doesn't mean you will see it if you choose not to believe it. Could he have endured all that, but yet we'll never partake of all that he made available to us because we simply don't believe? No, he says, set your mind on things above not on things on the earth. Not on things on the earth. That means that we can set, th- set our mind on things on the earth. If we choose, we can become fixed in what is happening down here. Rather than what he's already made available, what he's already provided for us in the spirit. I, he says, he's given me the option. You can set your mind on things above or you can set your mind on things on the earth. Verse 3, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I love that because now when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. It's hidden. It's hidden with Christ in him. In him. How many times do we see that in the epistles? How many times do we see Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians? In him. You are in him. In whom? That means everything is in Christ. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
You're in something better today than what you were in before. In darkness, in the world, in lack, in poverty, in depression, in selfishness, in hatred. You were in it. You didn't have a choice. But now we are in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Why? Because you can't hold on to the old stuff when you're in Christ. It's not a part of you anymore. Can't be a part of you. You get a new, you're made a new creature, given a new nature, a new reality. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. We cannot go where we do not seek. We cannot go where we do not seek. But now here's the point I want to get to today. You have to see it before you see it. The reason why we have Hebrews chapter 11, and the reason why we have these individuals that endured the trials and the hardships and the tribulations that they went through, is because they operated and lived by faith. They saw something even though they couldn't see it. They saw something. And then we get down to Hebrews chapter 12. This is the essence of my message today. Everything I've said is leading up to this point right here. And we get to Hebrews chapter 12. And it tells us to what? Look unto. It's what I'm looking at that's determining what I'm experiencing. And then we go a little bit further. And it says, who Jesus, who for the joy... Set before him. What did he do? He saw something when he couldn't see it. Even though in the natural there was torment and there was torture and there was beatings and there was uh, accusations, false accusations that he had never done. This is the only man that lived a sinless life. And he's about to take on the burdens of the entire world and the pain and suffering he's about to endure and being hung on a cross and made a mockery of in front of all these people. Beaten until you can't even recognize him. But in the midst of all that, he wasn't looking at that. In the midst of the upcoming trial, in the midst of the upcoming tribulation, in the midst of the upcoming hardship he was about to endure, he wasn't even looking at that. Guys, you will not get through. You will not endure. You will not persevere. If you get your eyes off of the end goal. You won't. There's no way. When we lose sight of the end. And I've taught this before. Vision versus sight. You know, I've even said this statement before. The opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is not doubt. Probably heard those things before. The opposite of faith is sight. Because faith is the ability to see what is not there. It's your sight that will be your greatest hindrance to living by faith. Your sight is your greatest hindrance. Chase, if you'd come up. Your sight is your greatest hindrance. Your sight. is the message for today. Head the clouds. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the tragedy around you or are you looking at the the overall outcome you're believing for? Because you you, you know how it is. You know how it is. When when you get victory and when you win and you can hoist a trophy, you don't care how hard it was to get there. You don't. You forget about all that. In fact, it's almost like you, you... Embrace all that you went through because now you can enjoy that, that victory that much more. Because of the things that I've had to fight. Because of the things that I've had to press through. And look, nobody else knows. 
Nobody else knows what I went through. Nobody else knows the difficulties. Nobody else knows the times that I wanted to give up. Nobody else knows the times that I wanted to throw it all in. Nobody else knows the times that I wanted to just quit and put it all down. Nobody else has any clue. All they see is the victorious person holding up a trophy. But I know on the inside what I went through. I know on the inside what I had to persevere. I know what I, I know on the inside what I had to endure to get here. It makes the trials that much greater. It makes it that much more sweeter when you get to the end. Think of Jesus' victory saying, look at everything I went through. Look at everything I endured. But look what I gained. For the joy. Why? Because the joy of the Lord. I mean, he wasn't even looking at the devil. You know, a lot of times when we're in, in, the, in the trial and in the tribulation, all we see is us and the opponent, us and the opposition. And we don't even think of what overcoming the opponent will do. It's just about whipping an opponent. It's just about defeating the credit card company. It's just about whipping this financial uh, struggle. It's just about getting past this hard time of my life. It's just about, and, 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 and God is saying, there, it's not about you and them. It's not about, we don't even fight flesh and blood, you see. That's not even your battle. It's about what you're going to gain access to on the other side of the opponent. David wasn't even concerned about Goliath. What he was concerned about, there's an individual that is dragging my Lord's name through the mud. How are we going to stand for that? That's what rose up within him. A shepherd boy. No military background. No military experience. Stand up and tell a bunch of soldiers, what are you doing? Not because of Goliath. Don't you know what it will mean when we can defeat this big giant? He didn't care about that. He didn't care if the giant was 19 feet tall. It was about the victory on the other side of the giant. You need to stop focusing on the opponent, and you need to start thinking about the victory on the other side of the opponent. The opponent is just a a distraction. That's just something that's trying to get you distracted from the overall cause. You've got a purpose. You've got a destiny. God has placed you here for a reason. The opponent means nothing. There's something on the other side. But you've got to get your head in the clouds. You know, why is it? Why is it that, you know, the older we get, the less we dream? I mean, we tell people, get your head out of the clouds. Right? I mean, we we, we ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? But then there's a a cutoff where you're not allowed to dream about what you want to be when you grow up. Right? Right? We ask kids that, but that's okay for them. But once we get into adults, you're not allowed to dream anymore. You're not allowed to to think of things that are way beyond you. And they always think of the craziest things, astronauts and presidents. It's like you do realize we've only had like 40-something presidents in the last. Might need to change course. Get Get more realistic. No, we need to get our head in the clouds. It's when you recognize where you're seated and what you have access to because of where you're seated. Now I can set my mind on things above, not on the earth below. Now I can see the victory. Now I can endure. I can persevere. This is, this is not a, a promise that it'll be easy. It's a promise that you'll get through. It's not a promise that you're just going to slide and slide on into heaven and slide on into your purpose. There's going to be some fighting. There's going to be some turmoil. There's going to be some tragedy. There's going to be some things that go against you. And, 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 but, but he's saying, look, I, I've already got it whipped. I've already got the answer. Set your mind on things above. Fix your eyes. Father, thank you this morning. We fix our eyes. We set our mind. We will not look at what's around us. We'll look at what is above us.
set our eyes. We set our eyes where we're seated. We set our eyes on Jesus. We, we are looking unto the author and finisher of our faith. Father, I thank you today that we are encouraged, we are equipped, and we are empowered to know that no matter what comes against us, we can overcome it. But we have to see the victory before we have the victory. We have to see it in our minds. We get tired in our minds, but we've got to get the victory in our minds. And I thank you, Father, that we will overcome. We will endure. We will persevere to the end. We will attain the prize for which you have apprehended us for. And we give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you need an offering envelope, our ushers are moving now. They'll get one to you. Hallelujah. We appreciate you giving and sowing. In the kingdom of God, we appreciate your investment. This is investment time. Amen? This is investment. God never sees sacrifices lost. He always sees sacrifices progress. Amen. When you let go of something for the kingdom, he's saying, great, I can get something back to you. I can get something to you. Hallelujah. If you're making out a check, you can make it payable to Anchor Faith Church or AFC. And yes, we do still accept cash. Hey, you never know. Never know these days. You can also give online uh, by visiting anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. You can give uh, from your checking account. You can give through debit, credit card, any of those types of ways as well. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and pray over this tithe and offering. And uh, we'll have a few announcements for you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this time to give, this time to sow this time to invest. Father, it's an honor. It's a privilege. You're you're not taking something from us. You're getting something to us. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be a blessing to the kingdom, be a blessing to this church. And we know that your word, uh, you will honor your word as we honor your word. You will open up the windows of heaven. It'll be poured out to us, a blessing that we cannot contain. We'll have to give it away. We'll have to be a blessing. So we honor you. We praise you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got your announcements this morning. Um, If you're a first-time guest with us, Pastor Mark and Ashley would love to get with you and meet with you. They have a small gift for you. Um, All the ladies in the house, we have an event coming up on May 5th. It's um, the Caller Blessed event. We're going to have a great time of refreshing and fellowship in the Word. So we'd love for you to come out and join us, bring a guest with you. Um, On May 14th, we have child dedication. If you are interested in this, there's some cards back there on the table. If you'll grab one, you can return it in the offering bucket or you can drop it off to your facility to leave. So you are dismissed. Have a great week, and we'll see you on Wednesday at 7.